Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had a couple of brand new episodes. First, we have started a brand new mini-series with Sifted talking all about their contract management suite. Now, if you are in the middle of peak season and you are concerned about the really big GRIs that just came down from FedEx and UPS, you do not want to miss this series, especially episode two that comes out next, uh, comes out this Thursday, actually. So definitely, definitely check this out because this can save you so much time and so much money, but you need to get the technology on board before the GRI gets into place and before you have those conversations with the carriers. So definitely go and check that episode out. Plus, we had a fun episode for our 300th episode. We brought most of our live show hosts together for a special Halloween episode. So you can get go and check all of those out. Now it's episode 300 and 301. So 301 is for the sifted episode. They were both a lot of fun. There's a lot of great insight. So I hope you enjoyed them. If you missed them, though, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. And remember, they were episodes 300 and 301. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O dot com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. So today, I'm excited to welcome an entrepreneur, industry expert, master networker, and mindful leader to our Woman in Supply Chain series. She is a true inspiration. So do you have any idea who it is? Well, let me know, let me tell you after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, if you could time travel, which period would you go to? So 46% of you said the past. 28% of you said the future and 26% of you said I'm good where I am. Let's check out some of the comments. So Heather 
said that it's a tricky one. Could be good or bad for all. Like I would have loved to go back, but what if you could change something in your path that was not meant to be changed? Leah says, what a loaded question. The past is a scary place for a lot of people, but interesting nonetheless. As a lover of old homes and history, I have to take my chances and go back. Amazing. Amazing. We love all your answers. We've also got Vaclav says, love the current time. And Halia says, the future to know the demand, market situation, then come back to the present and use that information for decisions and investments. Amazing. Well, we, I love all of those responses. And thank you so much to everybody who responded to our poll of the week. And remember, we do ask a question every single Wednesday morning over on our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. So if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, or you just want to engage with the community, head on over and check that out. So now back to today's podcast and the super talented woman in supply chain I have with me today is Charlie Safro. So Charlie began her career as a marketing account manager working on big name accounts like Procter & Gamble, PepsiCo and Gatorade. But as a connector by heart, Char Charlie found her true calling when she embraced a career in supply chain recruitment. Charlie founded her own firm, CS Recruiting, back in 2010 and has gone from strength to strength, growing the business from a team of one to 40 and boasting an impressive client list whilst earning some top industry accolades along the way. Today, Charlie will be talking to us about her career so far, tackling supply chain labor shortages, creating a culture of connectivity, and why recruitment is both a science and an art. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. But as always, we could not have this episode or this series without our sponsors. This Woman in Supply Chain feature was sponsored by Sifted. As a business dedicated to empowering confidence within the shipping industry, we're proud to support women in supply chain. Sifted is the leading logistics intelligence software that combines insights with expertise to empower bigger, smarter shipping decisions. As growth and disruptions present ongoing challenges for supply chain leaders, thousands rely on Sifted to get their businesses up for success. Learn more about Sifted at SIFTED.com. So welcome to the show, Charlie. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, we're going to talk about it later on in the show, but you are, of course, the very first recipient of our blended grant. So it feels really special to be able to celebrate you and bring everything together here on our Woman in Supply Chain series. And I'm really honored and I just can't wait to find out more about you and your incredible journey. So let's dive right in. As always, we're going to start at the beginning. I mean, you have a business degree and you initially had a really successful marketing career. I mean, you worked for over seven years on big consumer names like Procter & Gamble, PepsiCo. So tell us, what were those early years like for you? And what was your experience working on huge accounts like that, like right at the beginning of your career? Yeah, great question. I mean, it feels like it was a different lifetime. That is what I did, you know, right out of college. I studied marketing. I really wanted to get into that like agency environment. So um, I was at two agencies over the course of my marketing career. And when I reflect back, it actually makes so much sense that I landed where I am today with those kind of roots because 
I've always been in the service business. So not having a product, not having tangible uh, inventory, but really understanding that I have to sell myself. I have to sell Mm -hmm. the team behind me and I have to deliver a quality service. And that's what that business is all about. It's a people business, a relationship business. So um, working with some of those big brands, I'd say was intimidating, but also being a consumer is really what connected me to them and um, being really excited to work on brands that were on my you know, shelves in my pantry and in my refrigerator. So definitely creates more of a purpose and connection that way. I totally understand that because I think the same way about supply chain, right? Like I look at the things around the house and I'm like, ooh, how is that made? Where do the components? I'm total supply chain geek. But anyways, that's besides the point. I kind of think of them the same way or think about supply chain the same way that you think about marketing. But then you not only moved away from marketing into HR and recruitment, but you also moved away from mega B2C brands into logistics as well. So you've kind of done marketing, now HR and recruitment specifically in logistics, and that's quite a pivot. So talk us through that. Why did you make such a huge change and why logistics? I mean, I know that it kind of like sucks you in and you don't even know what happens and then you end up being in logistics and then you you can't leave. So I get that part of it, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, and I think I think we've talked to for, before because you have your family was in the business before you yeah. got into it, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess in an indirect way, that's how I landed in the industry. I did, you know, start my career very independently, but at the same time, my husband, um, who I met my first day of college, so we were dating right when we graduated college, and he was a freight broker, and so that was my exposure to the industry. I mean, he mm-hmm. this was back in the late '90s, a very different world when it came to technology. Um, He did that for about four years, that cradle to grave, freight brokerage environment. And then he had an idea to start a technology bringing shippers and carriers together. So no different than what we're seeing in the industry today. This was just in 2000 before, you know, apps existed or drivers had smartphones. So um, we had our first son. I went back to advertising Loved my job, loved my company, but it's a grind. I mean, you are burning midnight oil every night, hopping on a plane to deliver, you know, a PDF that was printed out back then. So I decided I needed a change and I wanted to work. I wanted to be a working mom. Um, so my husband at the time had eight employees at his company. And I was like, let me just come work for you. I know a little bit of marketing. I'll, I'll get coffee. I'll staple papers if you need nice. me to. I just want to be around adults and do something with my knowledge. And so um, I did probably staple papers for maybe two days before um, they realized they could use me in a different way. And they were growing and needed someone to help them find people, vet people, onboard people. Um, so truly, I just I was up for it. I'm like, I'll teach myself. I knew nothing about recruiting, um, but taught myself how to recruit in a very different environment. This was way before LinkedIn um, took off. So Craigslist, old school newspaper ads, but um, starting very scrappy, I think, is what got me not only interested, but it got me very well-rounded exposure to the industry and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just just trickled off from there. So never thought I would be a recruiter in logistics and supply chain, but very happy with where I landed. 
I resonate with your story so much and I want to do a bit of a deeper dive on on being self-taught. Mm-hmm. But because I was self-taught, right? I didn't a lot of people think that I went to school for marketing. I did not go to school for marketing. You know, I really taught myself everything that I know up until today and even when my dad you know, closed his doors and I was out on my own. I was a self-taught, really entrepreneur. Um, And then I had to teach myself, you know, social media and website design and graphic design. And if Mm -hmm. anybody was there at the very early stages, I mean, most people are going to tell you that I had no idea what I was doing with graphics and they really didn't look (laughs) very good, but you do what you have to do and you make the mistakes, um, that you need to make to be able to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big part of my self-taught, uh, journey. And it's amazing because sometimes I'll sit in rooms and they'll be like, that's why she went to marketing school. And I was like, (laughs) not me. I didn't really, but okay, I'll take it. You know what I mean? And those are kind of the moments where you're like, wow, you know, I've really come a long way and I did that on my own. So talk to us about how you did it. I mean, it was a mixture of learning on the job. Mm -hmm. I would assume studying in your spare time. uh, That's kind of how I did it. Um, And probably also learning a little bit how to harness a natural talent, right? So what did all of that look like? And do you think there's a tendency for people to look down on self-taught skills? Um, Is that anything that you've ever experienced? It's, that's a really interesting point, just given how supply chain has been, like it's, it's become way more popular as a major, yeah. as a field of study, I'd say in the last, what, eight, 10 years. So when you think of all the successful people that we probably both know in our networks, I'm going to guess most of them that are tenured never studied supply chain. Nobody that's ever true. studied truck brokerage. So um, whether it was self-taught or, you know, more formal training, um, I think we all kind of learned it on our own. And I'm a very curious person. So um, as much as it might be annoying sometimes where I want to know the why to everything, I think that's what fueled me. And my, my knowledge of the industry came strictly through observation. I was sitting in an office that they sold a technology, but it was structured like a brokerage. We had a shipper team, we had a carrier team, overhearing conversations, overhearing, you know, different situations that were happening. And I just kind of picked up. And and like you said before, I mean, when you start to really think everything we own came through a supply chain somehow, you start mm-hmm. to really get interested and, and want to know every step of the process. So the industry, it was mostly observation, asking questions constantly, just, you know, wanting to be educated. And then recruiting was very, very scrappy. I mean, I consider myself a networker and a connector. And I've always been that person, even, you know, back in the day, like when my my friends were having babies and I was like, if you need a nanny, let me know because my nanny knows other nannies and I'd love to help you. And that's just right. who I've been. So that's kind of how I approached teaching myself recruiting is just how do I connect people on a larger scale? How do I take my close-knit network. And again, this is before LinkedIn, but thinking who do they know and who do those people know and how can I leverage these different backgrounds and relationships to make more introductions. So mm-hmm. a lot of fun along the way, but I've, I've learned a lot. And it's funny what you said before. I just want to reference that 
I go back and I look at like my first website or I'll scroll <laughs> way, way back in my LinkedIn. And it's, it's kind of mortifying stuff I used to put out there that like I made in PowerPoint. But I show that to my team. My, when we have new hires, I do a presentation with them in the first week and it's the evolution of our company. And I show them like, this is where we were and this is where we are. And so while it is you know, kind of mortifying, I can look back and really be like, we have come so far and we didn't start like this. We worked hard at it. And I think that's an important message. That's a great message. It's also a really good point. And I should probably put something like that together <laughs> myself. I, I know that from season one, there's some really horrible YouTube videos exactly. out there. I do reference them. People find them. I had somebody the other day just reach out and say, I'm starting on season one. I'm like, wow, that's like 368 episodes ago. Wow. Like you've got a really long way to come exactly. and do not judge me. Okay. <laughs> no, but, but they're going to see, they're going to feel you evolve. I hope they come back to you and tell you how much better you've gotten over the years. Cause that's, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally do. And the other thing that you resonated is really at the end of the day, supply chain professionals, we're all problem solvers. Exactly. And so it's kind of natural that we self-teach ourselves all of mm -hmm. these things. And if I really think about it, looking back, starting off as reception, you know, you learned skills exactly. along the way and you learned getting into uh, new parts of the company and you did that really on your own. I mean, you would have somebody there who can teach you some of the fundamentals. Um, but I think that's also a really good point when we think about women in our industry, because a lot of them won't, won't go for a position unless they think they have 100% of the skills. But I think really the fun in that is knowing that you're going to learn so much that you don't know. And as long as you're willing to teach yourself or maybe get some extra courses if you need or asking more questions, I think you're 100% um, able to go after those jobs. Absolutely. And I mean, we are seeing more and more employers now, and, and part of it is a result of the tight job market, but really emphasizing we want the right person. We want the personality. We want someone who aligns with our values, who's going to fit in with our culture. And I think in a situation like that, like it could be a female or a male can yep. be taught, can work their way up. So I'm hopeful that a lot of, um, you know, whether it's an internal promotion or a female is applying for a job that maybe is just a little out of reach, that their energy and their passion and their desire to learn and be good is what's going to hopefully land them the job over, you know, not, not checking every piece of criteria off the list. So yeah. there's so much learning in this industry and I'm starting to really feel employers accepting that um, yeah. and knowing that there's going to be a, a runway where they're being onboarded and they're not going to, you know, hit the ground running with a book of business day one. That's just not how it works. Yeah. Well, and even whether they get the job or not, just drive them towards trying. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Hopefully we can inspire. Yeah. So let's talk about this because you've already mentioned that you're a mom mm -hmm. um, and you're also the entrepreneur because you now have your own recruiting business. So talk to us a little bit about your business and maybe what it's like a being a mom and entrepreneur at the same time. I mean, I think you've got three kids. So talk about superwoman. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, I do. I have three boys that are teenagers wow. now. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> sixth grade, eighth grade, and a sophomore that is recently driving, which is just crazy. Um, but my career with CS recruiting really started when I was pregnant with my third son. And so I kind of look back and I'm like, you know, I don't remember life before parenthood that well. So life after parenthood includes CS recruiting and me as an entrepreneur. And that's just who I've been for the last, you know, 15, 16 years. So a big part of me um, getting up and running was the fact that when I had my third son and he was an infant, I sat there all hours of the night giving him bottles and he was a very fussy baby. So I barely slept. And what I would do by this time, LinkedIn was you know, surfaced and I would just connect with people all night and I would scroll through resumes on my laptop. And looking back, I'm like, that was so crazy that I just never stopped and I never just closed my eyes. But that's what gave me that head start is like, it was almost like I was competing with myself to just take advantage of every spare moment I had to either learn or network or put myself out there. Um, So I never intentionally, I didn't put together a business plan. I didn't go out and get a loan and say, I'm starting a business. It was me doing some freelance recruiting work after my husband sold his business and one project led to another Um, and really word of mouth. All of a sudden I I had a business. I had something really to offer and it was time for me to either, you know, scale it and and make something or walk away before I failed. And I'm very grateful I chose to, to invest my time and scale it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, people in this industry that are very grateful that you pushed forward and did that. My brother has three boys, and so I know what that kind of household can look like. Exactly. To you for having your own business and growing your own business while you know growing your family and uh, and all of that. I mean, it's definitely not easy, but it also shows your perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people take a look at some of these things and think that it's an overnight success. Exactly. But what they don't see is what went into getting that person to where they are today. And so you talking about, you know, doing what you did at night while, you know, feeding your child bottles and just consistently keeping going. Exactly. Exactly. You know, It is really important for people to hear. I mean, I've just come out with a post, I think, about after my dad closed the doors, what I did to get Mm -hmm. started. And I got, I could not get a job to save my life until I got a part-time job and I was reception at an indoor, a winter tennis club. And not a lot of people know this, but I was a part-time receptionist there for probably about two and a half, three years. I mopped floors. I picked up tennis balls. Mm -hmm. I checked people in. But it also gave me the flexibility to be able to work on my business and grow my business at the same time. And so it really was the perfect job. But a lot of people looked at me and they're like, you're mopping floors? And I'm like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. And and I think about that a lot because, you know, as we've grown over the years, obviously I started as a one woman show and we slowly built our team one by one. But um, we created a culture unintentionally with our very first hire. And so now culture is so important. We have 40 mm-hmm. people on our team. We really emphasize the connection and the values. But my very first hire, Beth, who is now our VP and still with us 11 years later, I remember very vividly in my interview with her, I said, listen, 
it's kind of weird, but I don't have a nanny on Wednesdays. So I can't work on Wednesdays because I'm going to have my three kids. But if you want to stay at home and work from home, you don't have to come into the office on Wednesdays. And she was like, okay. And of course, like I was available and and I made up for that lost time at night. But that has shaped our brand. And like truly, we are a workplace that is so family friendly. Um, When we were in the office, we always, you know, closed at 430 because we respected people not necessarily needing to go pick their kids up, but wanting to be home with their family before the, you know, dinner time or whatever was going on at night. So um, we also were in a hybrid environment before hybrid was anything. And it was for that reason to provide our team with balance, flexibility, trust. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've been hybrid since the very first day. Today, we're fully virtual. But all of what I went through and, you know, here I am screening a candidate and changing a diaper like that was my real life. And I just, you know, I, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Because again, I just think it's so important that we we talk about everything that we kind of did to to get there. So talk to me about how business is now. I mean, not a day goes by when labor shortages don't hit the headlines. So what's your take on all of this from a recruiter's perspective? What's it like at the moment for your business? But also, how are you seeing and tackling, you know, the industry challenges that we're, we're hearing so much about? The market is very confusing right now. I'm not going to lie. It's like we're, you know, we're talking about this recession. We're hearing about layoffs. But yet what we are seeing is that the demand for people is way greater than the supply. So there are more jobs um, than there are qualified, available, interested people. And I think those are three really important words. Yes, there are warm bodies out there that are looking for roles. But in our industry, there is a lot of value and experience and exposure and skill set. So um, finding candidates that are qualified for the job, interested in working for that company. And then when you throw on, are they available? Are they in the right city for your organization? And do they have an employment agreement? So there's a lot of factors that go into the talent pool and really, you know, the the amount of candidates we can work with for these searches. Um, But we are definitely still seeing a hot market, lots of opportunities. Mm -hmm. What goes on in the industry, I would say we're either like two steps ahead of them or two steps behind them as it relates to the hiring needs. So for example, you know, last year when the steamship dilemma was all the rage and everyone's talking about steamship issues, we felt that we knew it was going on, but we felt it after when clients started coming to us and saying, we need to find a head of our manufacturing department that can set up a facility in Mexico because we're too worried to keep doing business with China. Right. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. Or we need to hire some rock star import export people that, you know, can really bring relationships and negotiate because we're struggling so much to get our freight in and out of the country. So It is interesting how you see that trickle into the types of positions, the type of talent companies are looking for. Um, But at the end of the day, still specialized positions. Um, Obviously, we're seeing a lot of mid-management roles just because when you get into that director and above, there's, you know, one, two people per company. So they're much more specialized and unique. But we're seeing a, a really good array of jobs right now. So if candidates are even thinking about looking, I would still advise them like this is the time to know your value, whether you leave or not, put yourself out there and find out what else you could be doing and what other types of companies you could be working for. 
Amazing. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that because I get people reaching out to me all the time and they're like, I'm looking for a supply chain job in Canada or, you know, I'm looking for a supply chain job in the US. And I'm like, I'm not a recruiter, Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe check out some of these, these people. And you're definitely one of those people that I suggest that they go out and follow and maybe connect with or whatever. And I, and I think you're right. I think, you know, just the mention of knowing your worth Mm -hmm. um, and going out there and, you know, just even seeing what's in the market and what you bring to the market versus what the organizations are looking for, because you most likely have a specialized skill that they're they're looking for that maybe you haven't even considered. And I think a big part of, um, you know, putting yourself out there, looking for a new job potentially, is really networking. And you've said this earlier in the conversation that you love networking and that's kind of how you started. But I think you also call yourself a master networker, which I love. Yeah, it's, it's six degrees of connection and in our industry, it's like two degrees, you know? And so that's really how I think about it is like, if there is a company or a person that I want to know, there's a very good chance that I know someone who knows them right. somehow. And that's really my strategy. I'm not overly aggressive. I'm a, I'd say when I network, I'm very much about giving before I try to get anything. So um, I don't even consider myself a salesperson. I don't go in and my first email is not just, you know, use our recruiting services if you're hiring. (laughs) You know, I loved that you said this on your profile or I listened to you on a podcast and I really enjoyed what you had to say. So I love to share information. I love to absorb information and pass it on. Um, But I think that's a big part of networking is just being passive and finding what you have in common with someone before you just try and sell them something because that can be a huge turnoff. And, you know, LinkedIn makes it easy to network, but it also makes it very hard to sift through the garbage to find out who's legit, who you really want to be connected to, what can you do for them, what they can do for you. Because I'm I'm sure everyone's LinkedIn inbox looks like mine and it's just overflowing with sales messages every day. Really? I I don't get a ton of them. I don't know. Maybe I should knock on wood because... (laughs) I I don't get a ton of them, which I'm very grateful about. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I actually can empathize for the candidates, too, because I get messages every single day from recruiters that are asking me if I want a new position. And like, oh. that is just, it's such a turnoff because it's like if you would have taken two minutes to read my profile, mm-hmm. like, I hope I'm not going to be looking for a new position anytime soon. And so... Yeah. You know, when when it's happening to me, it just is like, God, how many messages are my my recruiters and my team getting or how many messages are these candidates sifting through to really make sense of the direction they should go in? Yeah. So in saying that, though, when I do get them, they are very much not on brand for what I would even need, which Mm -hmm. goes to tell me that they really haven't done any research. And those are the ones that I'm just like, really? Okay. Because I answer all my messages, except for those ones. (laughs) Don't message me something that's not relevant. So going back to sort of LinkedIn, maybe versus in-person events. Got any tips? I mean, you said some tips, obviously, with LinkedIn and reaching out to people. Um, I think, obviously, that note that you put when you do ask for a connection Mm -hmm. as to why you want to connect and things like that is super important. But, you know, should people be doing, I mean, I think they should be doing a lot on LinkedIn. But what about in-person events? Because those are kind of coming back. And how important is that to your networking strategy? 
Yeah, I mean, it was very important before COVID. And then like everyone else, we learned to survive and really thrive virtually. Um, I definitely appreciate in-person interaction. And I know, Sarah, we're going to meet in person next week, and I'm excited for that event. But there is also something about virtual that I want to hang on to. And I I Mm -hmm. hope that this sticks because when you think about efficiency, I can talk to so many more people in a day here in my home from my desk than I ever would be able to if I had to travel to multiple cities or visit every client every weekday. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also something to be said, not only for like the energy we save, um, you know, I consider myself an introvert. So when I go to those conferences, like I am drained. I need a vacation Mm -hmm. after a two-day conference. (laughs) And there's something about when I'm in my own home, like I can take breaks. I'm comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, in my environment. So I think it it requires a true blend. Um, And it's interesting because when when I received that blended grant, I went to the CSCMP in Nashville and I brought one of our business development reps with me. And it was really interesting to see she is a trained sales rep. And like I said, I don't consider myself a sales rep. And so the way I approach it is I go up to people I know and I talk to them and catch up with them and, you know, ultimately someone they know will walk up that I don't know and they'll make that introduction. So I network in person the same way I do on LinkedIn. Like I'm always leveraging one person to get to another. And then my sales counterpart, she didn't know anyone. She's newer to the industry, but she had no problem just marching up to someone and introducing herself. And I'm like, see, those are the two different ways to network. And um, Mm -hmm. we balanced each other out, but it really made me realize like, when I am face to face, it's not that I'm shy. I just gravitate towards, you know, the old faces, the friends, and that's who I want to spend time with. And new relationships will organically come of it. So yeah. we need a blend. We definitely need a balance. And I feel like we're in a good place as like a an industry and a society now with accepting virtual, but still weaving mm-hmm. back in some of the face to face. Yeah. And I resonate with her a lot because like I was in sales for eight years, like logistics sales, which is not so easy. No, <laughs> and not. so I know what it's like to walk into a room and just walk into conversations and be like, hey, guys. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I it's funny because when I'm in a situation like that, I'm like, wow, I really am shy or reserved or, you know, it's not that I'm unapproachable. I just kind of stick to what I know. And LinkedIn has, you know, enabled that, if you will, but also it's it's been a huge value to, mm-hmm. to take it that way. Amazing. So you just mentioned the blended grant. Yeah. So or the blended pledge grant. And so for anybody who doesn't know about the blended pledge, it is our nonprofit or my nonprofit, um, where we are giving away grants to cover travel expenses so that diverse voices can say yes to speaking engagements. It's really something that we can make an impact on really easily and um, really quickly. And that's one of the reasons why we chose that avenue. And Charlie is the first Blended Planch grant recipient. And so huge congratulations to you. So talk to us about it. How is or how did that grant, you know, help you? Uh, You said that you used it to go to the CSCMP um, EDGE event. What did you Mm -hmm. do at that event? Mm -hmm. And what do you think a program like this can do for the industry? Well, thank you. I was very honored to be received, and I'm very proud to be that first recipient and um, hope you guys are getting more applications and able to give away more of these grants because you are making a difference. Um, When I attended the CSCMP, I attended 
certainly as an attendee, but really as a speaker. Um, and I had a session where we talked about recruiting and retention and really what's nice. going on in the talent market. Um, a big part of that session is recruiting starts with retention. So of course, you have to get the people in the company before you can retain them. But um, you get one or two employees, you build your culture, you develop that retention strategy that ultimately is your recruiting strategy. So mm. that is what I talk about. We are not a recruiting firm that wants to work with companies that have high turnover because they don't provide a good environment or a good opportunity. We want to work with companies that are growing and they need us to bring talent when they fill a position by promoting someone or they fill a position because they are growing and expanding their services. And that's what retention is all about. So we are very like human centric, people focused. And I think our industry needs a little more love there. And so that is a big part of, of my message. Um, but as we were talking about offline, I think one thing a lot of people may not realize is even when you are invited to speak at an event, you are still expected to pay your way. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's where I am still as a speaker. Maybe one day they will you know, cover my expenses or even pay me to speak. But for now, I am paying for my travel expenses. I am paying for that very expensive attendee ticket in most cases. So that's really where the grant impacted us, I'll be honest. I was planning to attend the event after I received the grant. That really encouraged me to bring two of my team members that were not going to come because of budget budget expenses and restrictions. So that's what the grant did for our firm is it allowed me to cover my travel expenses and then some and really expose another female in my company to this industry. And then one of my other counterparts who um, learned so much and gained so much value from that conference because... Indirectly, he came because of the grant. So thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think something like this can do really for the industry? I mean, why is diversity and inclusion, I mean, I'm wearing a shirt right now, diversity matters in supply chain, but (laughs) why do you think that diversity um, or DEI is so important for us in supply chain? I mean, I think that there's, there's so much talent out there that has more to offer, especially if we go back to our earlier conversation about, you know, you you just have to have the street smart sometimes, not necessarily the education or that hands-on experience. So obviously my focus in this industry is is female. I want to see more females in the industry. I think what we do, sharing our stories, is the best way we can support that by encouraging people, by being vulnerable and admitting it's not easy to be in a male-dominated industry. Um, And I would say it's taken me many years to really bring confidence and know that as a female and a a very feminine female, like those skills actually balance these conversations. Though, Mm -hmm. you know, having that empathy and compassion, that is not a weakness. That is something that these companies and these decision makers in many cases, need to hear and need to feel because it is so male dominated. And and oftentimes these are rougher environments than females want to be in. So um, I am hoping that the more females that are sharing their stories and getting out there, we are encouraging other females. I think that goes, you know, that holds true for any sort of, you know, equality, diversity in Mm -hmm. this space. Love hearing that, you know, there's more female truck drivers on the road. Like that does not need to be a a male dominated position. That's just what we've created as a society. So that's my, my hope um, is really focused on females, but, but all diversity in general, just 
getting more yeah. people exposed and giving them the confidence to get in the industry, start from the bottom and see what they can do. Yeah. And actually our second grant recipient is Dr. Jen and she's the founder of Trans New York. And we're going to be able to fly her to the woman in trucking event so that she can talk more about uh, transgender inclusion and what it means to businesses and really educate. And that's what Trans New York is all about. So super excited about that. We're, We're able to make, you know, impact in a variety of different ways in a variety of different, um, you know, conferences. And I think a lot of people are really looking to see more diversity across industry stages. And a lot of that stems from also seniority. They want to see people that they can resonate with, not just C-suite, VP, all of that. They want to see people from frontline all the way up so that they can resonate with them. And so when we think about diversity and inclusion, it really does cover so many angles and there's Mm -hmm. so much opportunity. And so just super grateful for you to to share your experience um, with us and with the community. And uh, I think together we're really going to make a huge impact. So you are always working to inspire others. I mean, I think you can just tell by this conversation. And also you're inspiring others to discover their full potential. But who inspires you? Oh, well, you know, I was, (laughs) I came from a family of entrepreneurs, so I don't think I was directly inspired by them to get where I am today. I honestly think it was like in my DNA and that's just who I was, Um, nature, nurture, if you want to go there. But like I said before, I'm a very curious person. Um, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts and something that I do that I don't think a lot of people do is when I read a book or listen to a podcast and I feel inspired, I reach out to the, you know, whoever was being interviewed. I reach out to the mm-hmm. author and it has turned into some of the authors respond and engage and I can really, you know, tell them how much their book or words inspired me. But um, I read a book like three years ago, maybe four years ago, um, written by a very young entrepreneur, a female author. And I reached out to her on LinkedIn and she has really become my mentor. And it's just so funny when I think back, like she inspired me. She was so grateful. I reached out and now I'm so grateful that that one email on LinkedIn, she is now an executive coach of mine. I participate in a mastermind group with her. So um, a very roundabout way. And, you know, if you would have asked me five, 10 years ago, who my mentor will be, I probably would have said in this industry, like a, you know, 60 year old male, like that's just what I was surrounded by. So very cool to think like my mentor right now is a 29 year old female and I have a lot to learn from her. So that's, that's how I get inspiration from different sources, but then really from the people behind them. Amazing. And I love that. Just reach out to people. You never know what can happen. Now, quickly, before we um, close this out, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps in the industry or maybe even get in the industry or maybe even look to further their career in the industry? Probably going back to what I said earlier, that Females tend to have more empathetic and compassionate personalities. And I think a lot of times in male industries, you assume that the female is going to be, you know, trampled over because there's so much loud voices and that that male dominance. And I have found that expressing my emotions, and I'm not a super emotional person, but I am empathetic. I feel for people, I care for people, I put myself in everyone's shoes. Mm. That is what I would encourage females to do, to embrace that and know that 
no, you don't want to be emotional crying on the job every day, but you need to bring that other side to the job with you because it will inspire people. It will create a better, more accepting, safer culture in any company. So don't hold back. Like that would be, I wish, I wish I knew that, you know, 10 years ago that it was really a superpower because I truly thought being empathetic was a weakness until a couple of years ago when I've just started to embrace it. So that's what I would tell every female, be vulnerable, be empathetic, be compassionate. It will take you very far. Thank you for that. And I'm, I just finished reading a book about um, being nice by Fran Hauser and how nice in the corporate world has always been seen as um, not a very good word. And I actually had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and she really turns it around in this book on how that. you can be nice in business and mm -hmm. in your career and that it can actually open a ton of doors. So go and check that book out if you haven't read it. But unfortunately, I have to bring our conversation to a close, but I'm sure this will be the first of many. I mean, I've absolutely loved finding out more about you. And there's so much for all of us to really take away from what you've said today. I mean, you're the perfect example of finding balance and showing us that female professionals can be more than just one thing, right? You can be exactly. tenacious, but mindful. You can be a mother and an entrepreneur. You can be ambitious, but also do the right thing. And I think right now with all of the challenges that we're facing as an industry, we really need more people like you in leadership positions that can really make a difference. So massive thanks to you, Charlie, Thank for joining you. me on the show today. What an episode. Appreciate it. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com or our YouTube page to check out the latest. Plus, if you are having a challenge in supply chain, we have most likely had them on like the solution to your challenge on our show. And you can listen to what they do, how they can help you, whether you're their ideal client before you even get into their sales funnel. So if you head over to letstalksupplychain.com, use the search feature, uh, type in the keyword, and all of that content will come up. And remember to come back next week as we have another episode from the Sifted mini-series coming up. That's right. Caleb Nelson is joining me on the show. And let me tell you, you need to get ahead of the UPS and FedEx GRIs. So definitely come and listen to how you can do that. Plus, we've got Flex on the show. Jordan is going to be joining me to talk all about what 
they are doing and how they are helping their customers as well. If you like the show, there's a few ways you can support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also follow us on TikTok and then subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, or subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, Ships is an intelligent marketplace connecting shippers with the world's best service providers, freight forwarders, 3PLs, and NVOCCs. Communicate and share information throughout the quoting process while easily and securely comparing features, value, and prices. Save time, effort, and money as you book, track, and manage your freight and cargo shipments. Start your journey on Ships. That's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com today. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, go and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.